0: From the fall of 1838 through the spring of 1839, Joseph Smith, Hiram Smith, and other church leaders were imprisoned in the Liberty Jail in Clay County, Missouri. They had several attorneys representing them, including Peter Burnett. On today's episode, we'll explore Peter Burnett's experience defending Joseph Smith. I'm Nate Olson, and this is Adventures in Mormon History. In our last episode, we discussed the early life of Peter Burnett. A pioneer, a farmer, and a store clerk, Burnett also became a lawyer in 1838. But as a member of the Clay County Militia, he had been called out against the Latter-day Saints during the conflict known as the Mormon War. On October 31st, he and the other Missouri militias surrounded the city of Far West, and the Latter-day Saints quickly surrendered. The Missourians took Joseph and Hiram Smith prisoner, along with Lyman White, Sidney Rigdon, Alexander McRae, and approximately 50 other Latter-day Saint men. Initially, the commander of the expedition, General Samuel Lucas, wanted all the prisoners court-martialed and summarily executed. Around midnight on the 1st of November, 1838, Lucas gave Brigadier General Alexander Donovan commander of the Clay County Militia, the following order. You will take Joseph Smith and the other prisoners into the public square at Far West and shoot them at 9 o'clock tomorrow morning. But Donovan flatly refused to obey the order, telling Lucas, It is cold-blooded murder. I will not obey your order. My brigade shall march for Liberty Township tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock, and if you execute these men... I will hold you responsible before an earthly tribunal, so help me God. Lucas, cowed by Donovan, relented and eventually handed the prisoners over to the civilian authorities. Donovan's boldness in all likelihood saved the lives of the Latter-day Saint leaders. But Donovan was not the only one standing up for the rule of law. Peter Burnett later wrote that... I remember that I went to Donovan and assured him that we of Clay County would stand by him. Had it not been for the efforts of Donovan and the others from Clay, I think it most probable that the prisoners would have been summarily tried, condemned, and executed. Joseph, Hiram, Sidney Rigdon, Lyman White, and other prisoners would retain as their defense counsel both Donovan and Burnett. The prisoners were charged with treason against the state of Missouri, arson, and robbery in Davis County. But since there was no jail in Davis County, the prisoners were sent to Liberty, Missouri, the nearest secure prison. Latter-day Saints remember the miserable conditions of the Liberty Jail, as well as the remarkable letters and the doctrines that came from this period. But Burnett's account reveals another aspect that is not as well known, that the prisoners were in constant mortal danger from lynch mobs, and they were particularly vulnerable during court hearings and while being transported from the jail to the courthouse. Burnett later recalled one harrowing court appearance before Judge Joel Turnham, the Clay County judge, where he and Donovan argued the prisoners should be released on a writ of habeas corpus. He wrote, In conducting the proceedings before him, there was imminent peril. They filled the courtroom gallery and surrounded the building. They began hissing, cursing, and threatening. Burnett wrote of that hearing, We apprehended that we should be mobbed, the prisoners forcibly seized, and, most probably, hung. But Donovan and Burnett refused to back down. And these two country lawyers, scratching out a living in a lawless frontier, again took a stand for the rule of law. Burnett wrote, All of us were intensely opposed to mobs, as destructive of all legitimate governments, and as the worst form of irresponsible tyranny. We therefore determined inflexibly to do our duty to our clients at all hazard, and to sell our lives as dearly as possible if necessary, we rose above all fear and felt impressed with the idea that we had a sublime and perilous but sacred duty to perform." Surrounded as they were by an angry crowd that could turn murderous at any moment, they did have a friend, Burnett believed, in Judge Turnham. He wrote that Judge Turnham was not a lawyer, but had been in public life a good deal and was a man of most excellent sense, very just fearless, firm, and unflinching in the discharge of his duties. We knew well his moral nerve and that he would do whatever he determined to do in defiance of all opposition. Besides Judge Turnham, Burnett and Donovan did have a few friends with them that they could count on. Both Burnett and his friends went into the courthouse with loaded weapons as a precaution against mob violence. Burnett wrote, We armed ourselves and had a circle of brave and faithful friends armed around us, and, it being cold weather, the proceedings were conducted in one of the smaller rooms in the second story of the courthouse in Liberty. Only a a limited number, say a hundred persons, could witness the proceedings. I made the opening speech, and was replied to by the district attorney, and Donovan made the closing argument. Before he rose to speak, or just as he rose, I whispered to him, Donovan, let yourself out, my good fellow. I will kill the first man that attacks you. And he did let himself out, in one of the most eloquent and withering speeches I have ever heard. The maddened crowd foamed and gnashed their teeth, but only to make him more and more intrepid. He faced the terrible storm with the most noble courage. All the time I sat within six feet of him, with my hand upon my pistol calmly determined to do as I had promised him. Later on, when the March term of the District Court of Davis County began in 1839, the Sheriff of Clay County moved the prisoners under a strong guard from the jail in Liberty to Davis County to be present at the impaneling of the grand jury. Now this was another high-risk move, because the people of Davis County could, at any moment, Attack the sheriff, the deputies, seize the prisoners, and lynch them. Burnett later wrote, It was apprehended that the prisoners would be mobbed by the irritated people of Davis, and the sheriff of Clay was determined to protect his prisoners if he could. Mr. Reese and myself went to Davis County as their counsel. The courthouse at the county seat had been burned the fall before by Lyman White's expedition, and so the court was held in a rough log schoolhouse about 25 feet square. The people of the county collected in crowds and were so incensed that we anticipated violence toward the prisoners. In the daytime, the court sat in this house, the prisoners being seated on a bench in one corner of the room, and they were kept under guard during the night. In the end of the room farthest from the fireplace, there was a bed in which the counsel for the prisoners slept. The floor was almost always covered with mud. The prisoners arrived on Saturday evening, and the court opened on the following Monday. Now the prisoners were fully aware of their extreme danger. As I slept in the room, I had an opportunity to see much of what passed. The prisoners did not sleep any for several nights. Their situation was too perilous to admit of repose. Burnett recalled that Joseph Smith and Lyman White did their best to pass the time and show appreciation to the guards, who were charged with keeping them from being lynched. Smith and White talked almost incessantly. Smith would send someone for a bottle of whiskey, and while he kept sober himself, Lyman White would become pretty well drunk and would kindly invite the guards of Davis County to drink with him, which invitation was cordially accepted. Burnett overheard much of the conversations between the prisoners and the guards. He later wrote, Some of the guards had been in the combats between the Mormons and the people of Davis County. The subject of incessant conversation between White and these men was the late difficulties, which they discussed with uh, a great good nature and frankness. White would laughingly say, At such a place, you whipped us, but at another place, we whipped you. Smith was not in any of the combats, so far as I remember. The guard placed over the prisoners in Davis did not abuse them, but protected them from the crowd. Burnett recalled that many of the citizens of Davis County came to see the famous prisoners, and these visits would go long into the night. Burnett wrote, Among others, I remember two preachers who had some theological arguments with Smith, and he invariably silenced them sooner or later. Being unacquainted with the grounds Smith would take, they were not prepared to answer his positions, while Smith himself foresaw the objections they would raise against his theories and was prepared accordingly. The men of Davis County also found ways of passing the time, and they had a favorite hobby—fighting. Burnett described these fights as severe tests of manhood and perseverance, and the cause of these fights wasn't hatred, but only love of fame, and the rough people of Davis County wanted to match their best fighter against Joseph Smith. Burnett wrote, Joseph Smith Jr. was a very stout, athletic man and was a skillful wrestler. Now this was known to the men of Davis County, and some of them proposed to Smith that he should wrestle one of their own men. He at first courteously objected, alleging substantially that though he was once in the habit of wrestling, he was now a minister of the gospel and didn't wish to do anything contrary to his duty as such and that he hoped they would excuse him upon that ground. Now they kindly replied that they did not desire him to do anything contrary to his calling and that they would not bet any money. It was nothing but a friendly trial of skill and manhood for the satisfaction of others and to pass away the time pleasantly, and they hoped he would under all circumstances comply with their request. Smith consented, and they selected their best wrestler among them, and Smith threw him down several times in succession to the great amusement of the spectators. In his life history, Burnett would try to describe his client, Joseph Smith, both his appearance, his habits, and his character. Burnett wrote that Joseph Smith was at least six feet high, well formed, and weighed about 180 pounds. At first glance, he was not especially impressive. As Burnett recalled, his appearance was not prepossessing, and his conversational powers were but ordinary. You could see at a glance that his education was very limited. He was an awkward but vehement speaker. In conversation he was slow and used too many words to express his ideas and would generally not go directly to a point. But with all these drawbacks, he was much more than an ordinary man. He possessed the most indomitable perseverance. He was a good judge of men and deemed himself born to command and he did command. His views were so strange and so striking, and his manner was so earnest and apparently so candid that you could not but be interested. There was a kind and familiar look about him. He was very courteous in discussion, and he had due deference to your feelings. He had the capacity for discussing a subject in different aspects and for proposing many original views, even of ordinary matters. His illustrations were his own. Joseph Smith had another ability that greatly impressed Burnett. He had, Burnett wrote, a great influence over others. As an evidence of this, I will state that on Thursday, just before I left to return to liberty, I saw him out among the crowd, conversing freely with everyone and seeming to be perfectly at ease. In the short space of five days, he had managed so to mollify his enemies so that he could go unprotected among them without the slightest danger. The grand jury found true bills of indictment against the prisoners, Burnett recalled, and so they applied to the court for a change of venue to another place where the prisoners could have a fair trial. Ultimately, the court changed the venue to Boone County and committed the prisoners to the sheriff of Davis County with instructions to convey him to the proper place. But, as Burnett wrote, the prisoners escaped on the way and safely arrived in the state of Illinois, Thus ended the Mormon Troubles in Missouri. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Adventures in Mormon History. I'm your host, Nate Olson.